Episode number 33. Welcome to the XJ Talk Show. And now here's your host, Tony Mutteroy on XJTalk.com. Hello and thank you for tuning in. Well, actually, there's no tuning. There's just downloading and listening. But, you know, you're here. And uh, now I'm here. So I guess we can have a show. So uh, playing around with some new equipment, uh, some of you guys may have heard um, the little temporary podcast thing that I did and put up for you guys to listen to. And uh, I'm hoping this thing is sounding better. Uh, invested a little money in a uh, new microphone and uh, invested a little money in uh, a recording, digital recording device. It all looks very impressive. If you could see it, you'd be impressed, trust me. Well, you, as you all know, if you've been listening to the show in the past, we've uh, been on a bit of a hiatus since uh, July, and, uh, but we're back and we've got some new music. We've got some uh, new voiceovers, and uh, well, hopefully the uh, the quality of the show will improve, the sound quality will improve, and uh, the content will still be dull and boring. So we can only do so much. <laughs> we do have an interview, uh, so it's not going to just be me rambling uh, as uh, I was doing in several of the uh, final episodes before the hiatus. And uh, one of the things I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to get you guys more involved with the show. Uh, I enjoy doing the show, but I enjoy interacting with you guys, just like we do on the website. Uh, I'd like to get you on the uh, on the air, so to speak, uh, for interviews. It's not important that you have something to sell or something to really to talk about. Just your experience with your Jeep and uh, you know your life in general. I think uh, everybody would find interesting. We should uh, all get to know each other better and uh, develop a stronger community. At least that's what I think. I think that's part of the fun of, uh, of just having the site, is getting uh, all of us together with this common interest about Jeeps. Now, one of the things that we have going on on the, on the site that's, that's been going on for, I guess, a pretty good while is this uh, green Jeep, red Jeep rivalry. Rivalry. And uh, I'll just make it very clear. I, I've stated unequivocally, uh, sorry, ridded lips, I've, I've stated that I like green Jeeps. Green Jeeps are fine. Now, not everybody feels that way. Uh, I recently uh, was talking to a, a lady, and, uh, well, this is how she felt. Oh, red Jeeps are sexy. <laughs> yes, I've heard that before. <clears throat> and then whenever I asked her about uh, green Jeeps. Mm, yeah, I guess green Jeeps are okay. So I don't know. It just really all depends on, on what you want in a Jeep. If you want it to be sexy or if you want it to be, eh, okay. <laughs> uh, that little thing there is for Wayne. Wayne will enjoy that. <laughs> well, first off, I'd like to do is uh, we're going to have uh, a pretty much a, a mic episode tonight. 
uh, Mike was uh, uh, was kind enough to call in. Oh, actually, he he posted up on XJ Talk says uh, saying, uh, "Well, you know, where's the podcast?" I uh, hadn't seen a podcast in a while. Where is it? So uh, I responded and told him, you know, hey, I'm working on it. We're going to be coming up with something here for really soon. And, uh, of course, these things that uh, that you're hearing now are part of what was going on in the background. But Mike was good enough to uh, to call in and leave a voicemail once I, I reminded him of the number. So, uh, actually, let me remind you guys of the number because I need your involvement. It's not, you know, don't be shy. Call in leave a question, a comment. It makes the show better. There's, again, it's a community involvement thing. Do you have a question or comment that you'd like to hear on the show? Just call 530-675-4102 any time of the day or night and leave it on our voicemail. Hey, Tony. My name is Mike. I go by Mafonzolo on the forum. I've been a Jeep guy for about 10 years, and I own two XJs and one MJ. First, let me say that this podcast sets XJ Talk apart from all the other Jeep boards even though places like Pirate 4x4 and Max have more members. What they don't have is a podcast, so keep it up, brother. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. It really helps uh, to to have that encouragement because I don't know if you guys are aware of it or not, but it's a lot of work to do the podcast. Uh, It's not so much trouble talking and talking into the microphone and and watching the little lights blink. That's kind of fun. It's even fun setting it up. And uh, and listening to it later to see how the sound quality is, all those things are fun. the The hard part is the the modifying, uh, the editing, and the modifying of the levels and doing the compression and blah blah blah, all that afterwards, which roughly takes about an hour. It takes about an hour to do the show, and it takes about an hour to to get it all, um, I don't know, edited and done up where it's presentable. I won't say it's great, but you know, to where it's presentable, and. I just wasn't getting much feedback. Uh, I certainly wasn't getting much participation uh, from uh, the folks listening uh, to the show. And uh, I just needed a break. Uh, I'll just be real open and honest with you about it. And uh, I really need your guys' help. I need you to call in. I need you to uh, agree to be interviewed. And uh, I need you involved. Uh, This isn't the Tony show. This is a show about XJ Talk and its members, and the Jeep Cherokee. And that's what we need to talk about. So, speaking of that, uh, Mike was also uh, kind enough to uh, interview, uh, to agree to an interview tonight. And uh, without further ado, let's get to that interview. Well, we've got Mike on uh, the uh, phone tonight. Uh, Mike, I'm going to let you say your XJ Talk uh, handle or username. Hey, Tony, how you doing? My username on the forum is Mafonzolo, and that's basically slang for my funds are low, as in I don't have very much money to spend. <laughs> and that would be a direct uh, correlation with the ownership of a Jeep. That would be right. <laughs> well, thank you, you know, very. I- I'm sure you've heard the joke that Jeep stands for just empty every pocket. Oh, absolutely. It's up to its name. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being uh, our first interview after uh, our uh, summertime hiatus. Uh, I think our last show was back in July, so uh, we're getting started again. And uh, before we started the uh, the recorder here, Mike and I were talking about uh, Leo Laporte and podcasts and uh, 
so on and so forth. And I, th- I thought you might find it interesting as well as uh, our listeners. I'm actually using the same microphone that Leo Laporte uses. That was one of the uh, upgrades we did here at the show was uh, to get a Heil PR40. And if you listen to Leo v- very much, you'll you'll hear him singing high praises of the Heil microphone. So you got the big basket uh, pot filter behind it. Well, I got a, a spit shield. I think that the health department requires me to put that in front of the. Or is that food? It might just be food. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea, man. But you, you sound fine when I listen to you on the podcast. So, well, that was actually a condenser. The the very much hated condenser microphone. So this is a dynamic, <laughs> uh, a dynamic microphone, and supposed to be a lot better now. I know Bob Heil uh, from my ham radio uh, uh, days, and it's not like they're over, but I'm not not real active in the ham radio stuff currently. But uh, uh, I have a Heil microphone that I use in the radio, uh, the ham radio I have in the Jeep. And the Heil mic quality is just fabulous. Now, I don't know how good this one's going to sound because I'm still getting used to the mic and still getting things adjusted. So you guys, uh, hopefully it'll improve over time, or maybe I'll just be surprised and it sounds great. Anyway, uh, back to back to you, Mike. Um, so uh, as I told you before we started the interview, uh, I might ask you about uh, how you got started with off-road stuff, assuming that you do use your Jeep for, for off-road activities. Well, absolutely. I think everybody who has a Jeep uses it for off-road activity at some point in their life. I mean, even if you uh, live in a suburbia or inside the inner city, uh, I think eventually you have to get out and see what these things will do. And uh, I got started uh, 10 years ago, and actually it, it just happened to be a random car that I happened to buy. I think I was 19 years old at the time, and uh, I my first four-wheel drive, was a Datsun pickup uh, with the uh, L24, the 2.4 liter engine that has eight spark plugs while being four cylinder. And uh, that was just the biggest pile of junk I've ever had in my life. And once I blew the motor in that, uh, the only thing I could afford on the lot was this uh, 91 light blue colored Cherokee. And it had the AW4 with the four liter inline six. And Ever since I drove that thing, uh, it was, I just pretty much knew it was a beast. And the one thing that really got me into Jeeps, uh, the reason that I didn't switch up to anything else, is uh, once I had to work on it, it was, I actually considered it a godsend because up to that point I drove nothing but uh, imports, mostly Toyotas and Nissans. And I got a little bit used to working on them, but once I worked on a Jeep, man, there's no going back. It's just everything is so simple and straightforward. It really is. Uh, I was a little concerned. I, uh, I bought my Jeep in uh, 98, and uh, I think everybody knows the story. My wife and I actually were looking at a Wrangler, a TJ, uh, all black with a hard top for uh, 4.0 liter. I, I knew enough about the, the, the engines back then to get the, uh, the 4.0. I knew I didn't want the four-cylinder. Uh, I didn't realize how badly I didn't want it until years later, but Anyway, we got the, uh, the the Jeep Cherokee, the one I have now, um, because of our two small daughters. I think they were three and four years old at the time, and I was actually the one that talked my wife into uh, to getting the Cherokee because of uh, because of the girls, because we we've both wanted Wranglers uh, individually uh, prior to us even uh, knowing each other. We wanted a Wrangler, so it was. Uh, it was actually very lucky, almost like what you're talking about, uh, where you just happened to, to get it, and you go, wow, what a vehicle. 
And actually, I guess it was probably uh, nine years before I actually got into where I needed to start doing things to it and working on it. And uh, I have worked on vehicles in the past. Uh, I never have enjoyed it. (laughs) But whenever I started learning about uh, how the the Jeep goes together, it is a very, very simple vehicle. And I I was very happy to find that out. A tough vehicle, too, which, which those two often go together. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, the one I bought was actually 10 years old at the time when I bought it, so it needed work almost immediately. But, you know, I had a little bit of experience uh, working on Jap cars. Definitely uh, not a whole lot, but, yeah, I was impressed with, you know, how straightforward and easy everything was and, you know, kind of going, hey, I don't have to have really tiny hands to get down to this part and, you know, replace it. And it, it actually was... Uh, it was almost a pleasure for me to work on it, uh, having come from working on imports. So I actually enjoyed it. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt it. If you, if you're beaten all your life, and then, uh, <laughs> then it, a day comes where you just get slapped around. The slapping feels good. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting metaphor. <laughs> but, but that's just me. I, uh, I sweat very, very easily. Always have. I've tried to explain to my wife. My wife says it's because you're fat. I said no. Before I was fat, I sweat. I would sweat a lot. So me and <laughs> me and air conditioning or raised floors. We were talking about before the interview. We were talking about IT. Uh, raised floor computer room and I get along very well because I really like it nice and and chilly. So when I go out there to work on the Jeep, it's uh, it really drains my energy having to uh, get so hot. I need to get one of those big shop fans because if I get a breeze on me, it's really not too bad. Well, you're also in Texas, so it's already hotter than hell down there. Yeah, and they say the humidity makes it worse, and I've been here all my life, so uh, I, I, you know, if there wasn't humidity, I, I probably would get real nervous. I wouldn't know what was going on. Well, the humidity is definitely uh, uh, it's definitely something that will make already a bad day even more unbearable. And uh, I'm from the uh, I'm from Virginia, and the, I know exactly what you're talking about. When it comes to humidity. Yeah, I guess that's because your uh, Virginia is relatively, is it close to the water? Yeah, I guess it is. Shows you my... Well, apparently uh, it's, it's entirely too close because the humidity here is unbearable all summer long. I don't know, I guess... It's almost like a tropical uh, climate here in the summer. But really? we still get snow in the winter, so really? it's an interesting area. Yeah, it is. It does sound that way. How did you make it through the uh, the recent hurricane? Actually, there's a joke going around here about that hurricane. Um, <laughs> my lawn furniture didn't even blow over, brother. Well, that's good. And a lot of the people around here have the same opinion, but if you go about 10 miles from where uh, my location is, uh, people have missing roofs and cars overturned. And I don't know. I guess I just got lucky this time around. Well, you know, Hurricane Ike came through here uh, two, three years ago, and... Um uh, I was on the internet the entire time. Uh, we had like 80 mile an hour winds here at the house. Uh, there were houses uh, in the oh within a, a two mile radius uh, that that lost parts of their roofs. We never lost power. Uh, I didn't lose internet. I was actually online playing a, a game, video game, and, <laughs> and my wife was like freaking out because you know there's all this noise and stuff going on, and I'm you know I'm sitting here playing. So, you know, you know what what are you going to do? Stand there and look concerned. So, yeah, we, but but we were in the same situation. We were very lucky. We didn't uh, have uh I think we lost one uh one little uh 
shingle. I don't know what you would call it. Just this, the one shingle. So it's like those three little slots that we lost. I'll better file a claim. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I didn't want my insurance going up uh, $10,000 a year. I'm just kidding, bro. But uh, no, I, and of course I am too. I, I, yeah, I guess people file, file claims uh, because they figure they pay into it, but I would just as soon do without insurance if I, if I could get away with it. Anyway, uh, so what are you doing with your Jeep? Is it just uh, at a stock uh, level, or are you uh, modifying it? Any plans to modify it? Well, actually, I have three Jeeps. I got uh, two XJs, and I have an MJ. And Well, let me tell you a little bit about them first. The MJ that I have, um, that's the one I posted a picture on the forum when I originally found the place and introduced myself. It's uh, an 89 and it's two-wheel drive, which is why I haven't lifted it. It's a California special model. came with a Dana 44 axle. It has the 4.0 um, with the AW4 and a floor shift, which I found kind of strange because I've had an MJ before, and I've seen other ones, and all the ones I've ever seen have been column shift. So I thought it was kind of cool. This one was um, floor shift. And, I, you know, I... I basically use it for my work truck and my, you know, daily driver, grocery getter type of chores. It, since it's two-wheel drive, it doesn't see the trail much, but I do live in a rural area, so it helps to have a little ground clearance and some grippy tires. Sure. What kind of uh, what kind of gas mileage do you get with it? Well, with the 33s on it, uh, it's nothing to brag about. I get about 16 miles per gallon if I drive really nice. Well, that's not bad, uh, and I guess you're still running. Uh, assuming that those are 355 gears that come in the uh, in that year model. Yeah. Yes, they're still 355s, and um, you know it's not too bad. I know a lot of people complain that it's you know you can't put 33s on a 355 ratio, and I mean if you expect to do hole shots with it, I would agree. It's not going to burn any tires, even when you floor it. It might chirp a little bit, but that's all you're going to get out of that 4.0 with those big tires, but if that's not what you're trying to do, I mean, if you just drive it nice, it's not a problem. It's not an issue for me at all. Yeah, I had a lot of problems. <clears throat> well, I say a lot of problems. I had to uh, kick down out of overdrive to go over overpasses, and that was with my uh, um, 32-inch tires. So I, um, I this is before I had started the... Uh, the XJ Talk website, and I got some uh, advice from some uh, some of the folks on NAXJA, and everybody was saying, you know, uh, I had looked up and saw where 410 is probably what I wanted to go with. My uh, my long term goal were were 33 inch tires, but I knew that the 32s weren't going to uh, 33s weren't going to fit until I got the um, the Bushwhackers on there. So uh, I wanted to go to 410s, and they said no. Go uh, go one uh, one numerically lower or you know gear ratio higher than than what you're planning and you'll be happy. So I went with a well, four fifty six. Sure no shortage of power with that ratio because it's transferring just about all of it to the rear wheels. Yeah, it it's really nice. It's it made it feel like it did whenever I first got it. So it made a huge difference. And of course now driving on the highway, I don't have to uh, go kick down out of overdrive to make it up a a mild overpass. Well, that also that depends a great deal on where you drive and how you drive. Like I said, I re- I live out in the rural area, so I have like one highway in a ten mile radius. So when it, and when it, the time does come that I have to go onto that highway, I really don't mind kicking it down into third to go up over a hill because it's just not something that happens all the time. 
Yeah, I got you. That makes sense. Yeah, I was doing a lot of highway driving at the time. Um, of course, if you uh, anytime you work in in the Houston area, you're pretty much guaranteed to have to uh, get on uh, the freeway and drive a long ways. As it is, I drive about an hour uh, to and from work, but uh, I have uh, uh, made use of uh, GPS and found a alternate route. So uh, I'm actually uh, using back streets. And the, the neat thing about it was is that it saved me, initially, it saved me about 10 or 15 minutes on my drive, which is, which is huge. So just staying off the freeways actually made it a lot faster for me. So it's, it's definitely a lot more pleasant driving um, at, at, you know, 50, 55, or 60. Uh, we have the, um, we have the uh, Houston Audubon uh, here. It's actually called Beltway 8, and it's a toll road. And if you're not doing 80, 85, uh, well, you, you're taking your life into your own hands. Yeah, you know, I was listening to some of your past shows, and you uh, briefly mentioned the Survival Podcast with Jack Spierko. Right. And I'm actually a big fan of that, and I've been listening to to that podcast for years. And I remember when he did the show out of his car with this uh, really crappy microphone, and uh, <laughs> every once in a while he would stop the show to yell at whatever driver was uh, pissing him off. It was just kind of funny because... I think it was right there in Texas, uh, somewhere close to you, wasn't it? Uh, if I recall right, because I think he he moved about uh, four or five months ago, maybe a little longer. I think he was in Dallas or the Dallas area. Which uh, yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, I think that's right. And you know, it's interesting you mention uh, you mention him. I uh, I was listening to his podcasts, and uh, there's some really good information that that he he gives out. Not not all the time, but. And, and I say good information. Things that that I think are good information mean things that pertain to me. Um, doesn't necessarily mean the information he's given out is bad. It's just some of it doesn't uh, doesn't really interest me or pertain to me. Anyway, I sent him an email, and you know, I tried to be very very nice in my suggestion. But my my suggestion was to him that he should get a um, a better microphone because the, the his audio quality of his show it made it, it to, to for me it made it difficult to listen to. And he uh, he was very nice and responded, and he says he's not out to sound like a FM broadcast station. It is what it is. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I think you guys, you both have a point. I think you should sound uh, well enough to where it doesn't hurt to listen to your show. But I think the other half of it is that a lot of it does have to do with content because I agree with you, Tony. His show sounded like crap in the first days he was doing it. But his content was actually good enough to where I would be willing to put up with that. Right. And, and I guess my point to, to Jack was, you know, you have good content. You have a, a rhythm uh, of, of how he does the show and that rhythm, and, and it's, it's a success. And it would be, for me personally, it would just be a, a, a little bit better if it just wasn't so uh, hard to listen to. And it, it's okay. It's just if it had just a little bit more uh, depth to the audio, it would be easier to listen to. I mean, it sounds like the old crystal radio that I built when I was like 14 years old. <laughs> okay, no, it doesn't sound that bad, but <laughs> it's just, I wish he would have just, you know, he's making enough money to do this for a living. He could go out and spend 40 bucks for a con- just a condenser microphone like, like what I was using to start with. So, anyway. Yeah, well, you know, you know he's uh, he's improved quite a bit since those first days, but he just he doesn't strike me as a radio guy or an audiophile. So 
um, you know, it, it's probably something that it, it just doesn't seem important to him. Where, oh, yeah, it definitely you know, doesn't. You and I understand that this is kind of important because we're on the receiving end of the show. But I'm not sure if he listens to his own shows or whatnot, and it also depends on how he listens to them. If you have, like, noise-canceling headsets on, it might sound a little bit different than if you listen to it in the car where you have a whole bunch of other noises already, and it just doesn't matter. Well, actually, this is interesting, talking about the podcast. Uh, How do you listen to the podcast? Well, I listen in the car. That's probably why I didn't mind as much. So when you're in the car, do you do you use headphones or do you actually hook it up to your stereo? No, I hook it up through the stereo system. Yeah, that's that's exactly what what I do. Uh, I've I actually got one of those little cassette. I have the original uh, AM/FM tape CD uh, in dash uh, entertainment system <laughs> that came with the Cherokee. So um, when I wanted to, I actually uh, use my smartphone for the podcast. I, I just download the the podcast straight. Uh, to the to the phone including xj talk uh show and i mainly do that because i like to hear the audio quality and I, with using a little cassette uh cassette tape adapter i can you know plug that into the uh headphone jack of the smartphone and then it goes right through the stereo system so uh i guess my family probably well they're probably used to it by now but they probably think I'm nuts because whenever I got this uh, new microphone and the, the digital audio recorder that we're recording this interview into, well, the first thing I did was I, I played a little music, I spoke a little bit, and did some tests, and then I ran outside with it and hooked it up to my uh, the stereo system in the Jeep so I could see how it sound, but sounds because that's where I listen to the podcasts. And if, if Leo's podcast sounds good there, uh, well, I was going to say if Jack's podcast sounds good, but there's nothing that can help Jack. <laughs> but at least, <laughs> at least I have a nice common area that I can compare things to. And uh, I've actually turned down the bass a little bit on this microphone because it, it was actually just uh, making me vibrate in a bad way inside the Jeep. Yeah, the, some of the past shows, they were a little bit on the bad side. And uh, the stereo that I have kind of tends to be a little bit easy in the first place, so... Um, it's got it was the last show that I heard that you did back in what was it July I think that one sounded just fine so whatever you did that time just keep doing it brother yeah well we're gonna see what this microphone sounds like I've got a it's a I can tell by listening to it on my headphones it has a lot more uh, treble to it than uh, than the uh, the past and of course like I said a lot of that has to do with me turning down the uh, the bass uh, on the mixer but anyway I'm sorry we're I'm, I'm going off on these uh, rambling tangents and uh, hopefully the audience doesn't mind that too much of course they probably just used to it by now but you got the MJ and now you've you were saying you have uh, two XJs yeah I have two other XJs I have an 88 um, limited XJ and that one has the NP242 transfer case which to me is the only real difference other than the trim and the power everything and the leather seats and all that and uh, that one has actually been up on blocks for almost a year, and there's a long story behind that one. But uh, I, I bought a Jasper transmission for it about two years ago, and that's, that Jeep is not something I drive all the time, so it does a lot of sitting around. And before I even hit the 10,000-mile mark, that Jasper transmission went. They sent me a replacement one at, uh, because it was still under warranty, and that one only lasted 4,000 miles. So I was extremely, extremely disappointed with Jasper. And um, in my 96, I have a $99 eBay transmission that I slapped in there, just not even caring. 
because that's my trail rig, and uh, I haven't had any problems with that one. So I decided that that's what I'm going to do for this 88. I got another $99 eBay transmission, and I just put it in it, um, finished it up, actually, the day that uh, you originally wanted to do the interview. That's uh, that's actually why I wasn't able to do it, because I work nights, and uh, usually I come home and crash and sleep until about noon. But I, that entire week, I pretty much spent every single day out here working on the Jeep until I just had a few hours left before I had to go back to work. And I just finished it up last week, actually about three or four days ago. I took it for a test drive, and the transmission wouldn't shift properly. And I spent about two days climbing around the entire thing, tearing up the wiring harness and testing the transmission computer, the wiring. Finally traced the problem down to a bad solenoid within the transmission that I just put in. So I had to drop the pan and drain all the fluid I just put in it to find that the solenoid number one wasn't even connected. I don't know if I bumped it off of there when I did the uh, fluid and filter change or if it was just never connected, but as soon as I plug that thing back in and put everything back together, the thing runs like a dream. And I'm actually very excited about that because we have uh, this really pain in the ass law in Virginia where we have to pass smog and... Uh, once you hit the 25-year mark, which that Jeep is going to hit next year, I don't have to pass smog anymore. You know, not that I, uh, I'm looking forward to polluting the environment. It's just that you can't make an appointment the way it's set up out here, and you have to pretty much waste your entire day sitting in line waiting for it to be your turn so you could pass smog. So I'll be looking forward to not having to do that anymore. I bet. Hey, let me ask you this. You say a Jasper transmission. Is that just somebody that had uh, rebuilt the uh, AW4 or uh, assuming it's an yeah. AW4? The, yeah, I, I, was, I thought that uh, Jasper was a relatively known name. Maybe it's just uh, here in the region. But, yeah, they're um, around here anyway. They're a well-known remanufacturer of engines and transmissions. And apparently, they had a good reputation up until I bought from them. And I'm telling you, man, I'm never going to buy another one from them again. Lucky you. That's two in a row that didn't even break the 10,000-mile mark. Well, you know, the thing that gets me about warranties, uh, the guarantees and stuff that they have, it's like these people that uh, that go to junkyards and, and buy engines. And, and I don't hold any ill will towards those people, but for myself personally, I can't see going and getting a, a used engine or a used transmission, if you know, unless you're going to rebuild it, that that makes a difference to me. That makes sense. But you go and get a used uh, a used engine and put it in your vehicle, and you know, go, oh, well, it's got a warranty. They're not going to warranty the 12, 15, 20 hours, whatever it takes you to get that engine in, find out it's not any good, and take the damn thing back out. Um, yeah, that they absolutely will not warranty the labor, and uh, <laughs> that's actually. Uh, that's another pet peeve that I have because they should test these uh, things a little bit better than they do before they're sent out the door so they could save people the time that they put, you know, taking these things in and out. Yeah, I don't know. I guess they do it because they don't have to. There's there's people willing to, to go and buy those things. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I've got a mechanic friend that did a lot of, a lot of work on the, uh, on the Red Jeep. And he does that. He does that for his customers. He'll go and, and get the get the engine, and, and it's warrantied. And actually, if it something happens to it, he's the one that takes it out and puts in the replacement engine. So, you know, 
and he doesn't charge you for it. He just charges you for the one time. So I yeah, know well, I, hope, I know he I knows a lot about it. On that time. I, I don't think so. I think what he tries to do is he deals with uh, junkyards that uh, that he trusts, and sometimes he gets burned. Well, yeah, I think that, that that's ine- inevitable. Eventually, though, the law of probability will catch up with you. You're going to buy a bad part at some point if you deal in that a lot. Right. But I, I suppose he makes up his money in other ways. Yeah, I would hope but, so. You know, th- there was no excuse for the way this thing ran. I mean, from the very, very first day, it had no reverse at all when it was cold. I would literally sit there with the gear shift in reverse for 10 minutes waiting for this thing to warm up. So the, the temperature gauge was actually registering. There was, the reverse was like neutral. And th- that's unacceptable to me for a, a transmission that has just been rebuilt, you know, had the sticker on it. I think I paid... Uh, 1500 or 1700 for it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I was going to yeah, make that so, distinction. I thought I'd heard you say that it was rebuilt. It wasn't a, a, a used one. I mean, used, no, but, but it wasn't from the one. junkyard. Well, you know, I've heard on the in the past that uh, on some, uh, I'm not even sure where I heard it. It could have been on Naxja. Maybe it was a Cherokee forum. But apparently, it's not easy to rebuild the AW4 correctly. And it, it, it's been other people's experience as well as mine that you're better off buying a used transmission in the case of AW4. I'm not speaking for all transmissions, just no. in the case of the AW4, that the rebuilds are not very successful and you're better off going used. And that's exactly what I found to be the, the case. Well, you know, the, the, to me, if you, if you have an AW4 that doesn't work, somebody must have done something wrong or abused the hell out of it because it is just, I personally do not care for automatic transmissions simply because I know it's going to fail and it's going to cost an arm and a leg to have somebody fix it. Uh, whenever I, whenever I said, Hey, this is a nice, because the the Jeep that I have was on the, the showroom floor. And I said, this is really nice. Do you have any with a standard? Because that's what the Wrangler was going to be. It was going to be a standard. Standards are very easy for me to understand, and they're very easy to fix. If you actually break one, which it's very difficult to do. I mean, you know, you put in the horsepower behind it, of course, but just just from the, the standard engine that comes with it, it's very difficult to, to, to damage a standard transmission. And besides that, they're usually a lot smaller than automatic transmission, require a lot less maintenance, and they're much easier to replace. But and no. not to mention that there's less uh, horsepower loss through a manual compared to an automatic. Yeah, because you, you are controlling the the amount of slip between, you know, the engine and the drivetrain. Yeah, exactly. You're hooked up direct with a manual. Right. And you can let it slip if you want to, you know, ride the clutch. But uh, with, the, with the automatic, and I, I think everybody understands that, at least I think I understand it correctly, that's one of the reasons why the automatic transmissions do not get as good a gas mileage because it is a computer-controlled or a mechanical slip that is always going on. There's some slip always happening. And, and well, I shouldn't say always. It's, it's common for the, the transmission to be slipping, and that's a loss of, of power going to the rear end. Yeah, I believe the torque converter is technically a viscous coupling. So, yeah, you would be right saying there's not really a direct connection there. So some slip would occur. Yeah. Right. Hopefully you don't get a bunch of email about this if we're wrong. <laughs> oh, hey, but that's part of what XJ Talk is all about. It's uh, we we express what we think we know, and personally, I love it whenever I find out something new. 
Um, I, I, I don't take offense at it. And that's one of the things that we try to do on XJ Talk is, is learn and, and share information and, and try to be friendly in the process. Well, you know, um, somewhere I remember reading that the AW4 is the same transmission that uh, was used in Toyota Supers in the late in the last model before they were discontinued. I'm sure that they were geared entirely different, but and the bell housing was different in order to bolt it up to the uh, Toyota 2JZ engine. But those things are tuned up to run 400 horsepower or more, and the AW4 stands up to that just fine. So it's an excellent transmission. Yeah, you I just have to keep it cool. Yeah, I just bought some uh, some solenoids. I, I was having a a, 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 um, a code come up for the uh, the the one that controls the torque converter lockup. So yeah, I just number three. yeah. So I just went ahead and bought a whole set, and uh, it is the uh, solenoids for the A three four zero transmission, I think, and uh, the Toyota A three four zero with the AW four is the same transmission, and I believe that one is used in the Lexus. Yeah, Toyota and Lexus parts are almost interchangeable. Actually, I have a funny story about that. Um, some years ago, my mom had an older Lexus. It was a 91 model, and it wasn't new at the time. But uh, the starter went out on this thing, and I remember how devastated she was when she got the uh, price quote from Lexus dealer. They said it was 700 and some change for a new starter. Wow. And at the time, I had a Toyota Supra that I was going to build to be a race car, which is a whole other story. But um, I actually had the entire engine uh, taken apart. And when she went and picked up the starter, I asked to see it. And when I looked at this thing, the $700 Lexus starter, I was like, wow, this looks really familiar. So I ran down to the shop and grabbed the Toyota Supra starter, uh, which this is an older Supra. It's like an 84 with the 2.8 liter in line six. And it's the same exact starter. And if you go to Advanced Auto and get an 84 Supra starter, it's, you know, it's like in the $100 range. But the same starter for a Lexus is $700. So there is, there's a little bit of um, gray area there, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's been going on for years, that uh, this exact thing that you're talking about. I, I don't know how somebody got the balls big enough to start doing it, and that they can really justify saying, well, we sell this part for this low-dollar vehicle for this amount of money, but for the Lexus, because somebody you know spent, I guess at the time, thirty or forty thousand dollars, which of course that that's common now, but thirty or forty thousand dollars for this luxury car, we're going to double or triple the price of the parts. I don't understand. Well, well, because because they know you're good for it. Well, no, I understand that, but I don't understand how people go for that and of course they still do even with the internet even with the like the customers yeah the the the, the people that well, are that are know. paying for it well that's what i'm saying the internet has been wonderful for the standpoint of getting information out and Absolutely. you know you could go look that up i mean that's one of the first things i do if, if somebody tells me that this part's going to cost you know three times more than what i think it should man i'm on the internet and in fact Oh gosh, I'm trying to remember what uh, what I recently. Oh, yeah, our our, our uh, AC unit here in the house in July went out, and I'm not talking about the one outside. I'm talking about the one up in the attic. It was a blower motor that went out, and so you know the whole unit's fine. It just needs a blower motor. Well, they stopped making these things. They stopped making the blower motor, and instead of being a three hundred dollar repair, it was twenty four hundred dollars because the entire unit had to be replaced. 
Now, my, yeah. my, my BS radar started blipping like a son of a gun, and I went on the Internet. I was going to find that blower motor. And the gentleman that has been coming out and servicing our, our AC for all these years, uh, I, just, I didn't think he was lying to me. I just figured he didn't know. Well, I, I did the Internet thing. I spoke to several companies. There was no way. The company, actually, the, the, the model that I had, was linked to a lot of different fires across the country and <laughs> and the the company had gone out of business because of class action lawsuits and i say the model wow. it, it wasn't the specific model but uh it was uh because otherwise i could have been part of the class action lawsuit and you know the unit was um 15 years old so obviously we didn't have a, a fire up there but but needless to say if i wanted ac on again i needed to spend twenty four hundred dollars and that's pretty rough when you don't have twenty four hundred dollars. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, I was able to go to the go to the internet and and confirm that. And I don't understand why people don't do that, especially when faced with a seven hundred dollars starter. And I would assume that that wasn't that was the complete labor and everything to put it in, or was it just the starter? Oh no, no, no! That was just the part. And the funniest thing was is holding the two side by side. It didn't even say Lexus. On the Lexus starter, it still said Toyota. Oh yeah, just of course. Like it said on the, just like it said Toyota on the Supra starter, and uh, you know, I was just like, you know, wow, I wish I'd known this before he bought it. <laughs> oh no, I thought you had, I thought you had found out beforehand. Okay, that's too bad. No, no, she, no, that's how I found out. Is she went and got it, and I, I asked to go see it. I was like, oh, you got the new starter. Let me look at it. So I took it out of the box, and I was like, wow, this looks really, really familiar. Where have I seen this before? You know, one of the, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You know, one of the things that just dawned on me, the one of the things that I had forgotten to uh, to mention, I, I'm very bad about this. Um, uh, we we went through your name and uh, your name on the site, but I forgot to ask you what part of the country that you live in and what it is that you do for a living. All right. Well, this is uh, not going to be a short story, but it actually ties into my whole uh, to my whole passion for XJs. I work for a newspaper company, which should remain nameless. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's not good for a newspaper. It's a large newspaper, and uh, I work as one of their delivery drivers. And, you know, this isn't like the uh, old days where I'm riding on a Schwinn with a little basket on the front. This is actually quite a bit different. It's a very rural area out here, and they treat us as subcontractors, so we're not technically employees. Right. And we have to use our own vehicles, pay for our own gas, and we get a 1099 form uh, instead of a W-2, unlike you know most regular employees do. So the only way you're going to make any money doing this job, because it doesn't pay a whole lot, is if you can turn your own wrenches and fix your own cars and you know stay afloat without having to spend money in the shop. And uh, I've been doing this for uh, about eight or nine years now, where I took a small break in the middle, where I went out to L.A. and then came back, and I got a better offer doing the same job, so now I'm back to doing this. And this is actually where the XJ really shines, I think, because um, I drive a lot of really, really bad roads where, you know, I, I probably the closest thing I could compare it to is Beirut. <laughs> Not a whole lot of people live out where I, um, where I deliver, and the roads never get fixed just because nobody complains. And anytime you have a lot of rain, like we've had recently, or if there's any kind of disaster, nobody cleans this up. 
And it's basically an adventure every single night because there's no cell phone signal in probably 80% of my area. We still rely on CB radios, so communications, uh, point-to-point radios are still going strong. And um, you basically have to carry whatever you're going to need to not get stuck somewhere uh, doing your job. And we have a pretty tight crew. Then we help each other out. We carry spare parts and tools and whatever we need to do. One time, one of us had to call AAA, and they told us it would be about six to seven hours response time. So it's a heck of a lot easier to just bring your toolbox and fix whatever is wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah. I would get really bored waiting six or seven hours. Yeah, exactly. I would, I would this, also... Uh, this is done at night, and we're also on a time limit. So we can't exactly, you know, crawl at five miles an hour over, you know, these really bad roads. So the one way that you keep the repair costs down is you modify the vehicles so they can perform sort of like Baja style, where you're traveling relatively high speed on uneven terrain. Well, I would think some independent front uh, suspension would be uh, would be more preferable for that kind of terrain. But one of the things I was going to say, one of the things I was going to say is that you, if you don't deliver, then you don't get paid. So it's very, right. it's very important that you have a vehicle that is going to make that delivery. And I would imagine that in during uh, times where there, it's either during bad weather or bad weather has come through, that a uh, having a, a nice uh, Jeep Cherokee to uh, to get things done would be very handy. It is absolutely, and uh, one statement of that, of just how reliable the Cherokee is, is that um, of all the people that do this job that I work with, uh, I'm the only one that's still driving the same vehicle eight years later. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think, I, I personally believe that they that they did away with the Cherokee because it just wasn't profitable for them. Uh, it was too good a vehicle. And if you if you make something, it's like that uh, that commercial where they have uh, about the bubble gum that you chew and chew and chew and chew and it doesn't lose its flavor and and they're they're bringing people out to slap the gum out of your head so they can, so you'll buy another piece. I think that has a lot to do with the way the Cherokee is. And if you if well, you if you look at the Wranglers, the way they're making them now, they're not making them like they used to. Um, you're talking about the unlimited, the four door versions. Yeah, anything, the JKs, anything after the, the TJ. Uh, I've, I've been told, and I believe, that the, the TJ was the last real Jeep Wrangler. Well, you know, one of the uh, one of the biggest issues that we have out here is uh, deer. There's, so, there's more deer than you can count, probably more deer than stars. And it's very, very common for you to total your vehicle by hitting one of these things. And since we all drive around at night... Um, we tend to hit a lot of deer, and that's actually the reason why I learned how to weld was because I hit three or four, and I bought three or four new front clips, and I just got tired of doing it. And, you know, I went to uh, look to see how much one of those uh, high-end aftermarket bull bar bumpers would cost. And at the time, there wasn't a whole lot available. There were companies like ARB and Trail Ready, and that was about it. And they were, by the time you got it to your door, they were close to $1,000. And <laughs> there was no way I could afford that. And uh, a welder was uh, $550 here locally on sale. So I went and bought that instead. And uh, I learned how to weld by uh, making my own front bumpers just so I could keep my uh, Jeep together. 
And one of the guys I work with bought um, a JK, the uh, unlimited four-door Jeep, and instantly he wanted me to uh, build him a front bumper to throw on this thing. And I remember taking that thing for a test drive, or I, I think I was driving it over to my shop, and I just could not believe how anemic that thing is. I mean, absolutely no balls in that new engine. No. That's that's one of the reasons why I say the last real real Wrangler was the TJ, because that was the last one that you could get the, the 4.0 liter uh, engine in. And, of course, they... Well, you know, a spear coach just did a show on the Survival Podcast where he's talking about um, design to fail, how consumerism works, and it was actually a pretty interesting show. Oh, I firmly and, uh, believe One of the that. things that he mentioned was how things are built to fail uh, in the modern world because companies realize that there's no money in making something that's going to last for the rest of your life. If you're going to be driving the same Jeep 20 years from now, you know, they're out of money. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I think Chrysler has gone very much for, further the, uh, the opposite direction. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, the 4.0, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was that not originally a design that was like a tractor engine or something like that? Man, I don't know. It could very well be. Maybe somebody, um, one of the, the listeners uh, can uh, let us know that on uh, on the forum. Well, what, whatever it was, it's definitely a good design, and it's not high-strung like uh, the modern cars are. Because you take a look at something that's brand new today, and it's running, you know, 10 to 1 compression, and it's just, it's really high-strung. It's got four valves, and the Cherokee, with that, this thing runs, what, like 7 to 1 compression ratio? It's a relatively mild engine, and I think that's why it lasts so long. And uh, I'll give you an example of how long these things can go. On my 96, which I used for um, my work vehicle for a long time, for many, many years, it still has the original 4.0 in it, and I just turned 368,000 miles. And it still runs great. Yeah, I often say, so you've made it to the moon, and you're on your way back. That's right. <laughs> Well, Mike, I really appreciate the uh, the interview tonight. Uh, I, I generally try to keep the interviews around uh, 30 minutes. We've gone uh, 43, but that's uh, only because it's been very interesting. And uh, just want to thank you for uh, agreeing to be interviewed and glad that you uh, joined XJ Talk and uh, appreciate the uh, the voicemail, the detailed voicemail that you had left about the uh, the fan clutch, which I'll be playing on uh, probably on the, the same show this interview will be played on. So uh, yeah, with that... I, I, hopefully I explained it well enough. Oh, I thought it was great. I mean, uh, I say um and ah a lot. I don't think you said um or ah once. So uh, it, like I said, it was very detailed and very professionally given. I need to get to something that sounds a little better for the uh, the audio quality. Uh, that uh, The Google voicemail uh, is really bad. But of course it's free. So, you know, you get, you get what you pay for. So before, b- before we wind this thing up, was there anything that uh, we didn't cover that you wanted to, uh, to say? Um, well, that's about it. Uh, the only thing I didn't mention was uh, the modifications done to the uh, 96, which it has a lot, and maybe we should save that for another show. Yep, and uh, make a good post and uh, another good interview. Well, Mike, thanks Sounds again. Good to me. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll be seeing you on the forum uh, along with the rest of you. All right, it's been a pleasure, Tony. Thank you. Hey, I just want to remind you all about the giveaway that we currently have going on on XJTalk.com. 
It's uh, for the, during the month of October, and it's really simple to win. All you need to be is a member and have the most number of posts during the month of October. Now, that's from uh, October 1st, midnight Central Time, through October 31st, uh, midnight Central Time. Whoever has the most posts during that time period will win a nice set of A-pillar light mounts from Detours, DetoursUSA.com. And if you're not familiar, those are the little things that, that you know, very familiar on Wranglers where you can mount uh, lights there on the, the the little pieces of metal that are next to the windshield. Those are the A-pillars. Anyway, these beautiful A-pillar mounts from Detours and a set of KC uh, highlight long-range 100-watt off-road lights and... A nice set of KC covers, black, so that you can actually protect the lens and uh, use the lights at the same time. So we're very excited about this giveaway, again, from xjtalk.com. Well, I certainly enjoyed that interview with Mike and learned a lot about Mike. And uh, as I said, as part of a community, that's what we want to do. We want to learn more about one another. That's what we do when we post things. That's what we do when we post pictures. And, of course, that's one of the reasons why we have a a general uh, area on the site. It doesn't always all have to be about Jeeps. Obviously, that's the, the common reason why we are all together. But there's many more things that happen in our lives. Uh, than, than just the Jeeps. Now, admittedly, the Jeep is probably going to be involved in a lot of those things. But, uh, you know, feel free to share what's going on with your life. Feel free to share interesting uh, interesting things, you know, things that you find interesting. And don't worry about um, people. some people not finding it interesting. That's always going to be the case. Somebody's always going to find some things interesting and another things not. So uh, don't worry about it, man. Just talk about it. Well, that's our show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was uh, something worth waiting for. And, uh, of course, we'll be uh, trying to do these things more frequently uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, But, again, I need to stress, uh, uh, again, I need your involvement. So uh, remember to call the the number uh, that we have to leave questions and comments. Uh, And here's the promo. We welcome and look forward to your questions and comments. Dial 530-675-4102 and leave your message on our 24 by 7 voicemail. So guys, uh, that's it for the show. I uh, appreciate you being here. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Hope the sound's a little better. We are using a, a new microphone, which I may have mentioned before. Uh, hopefully it's not as bassy as it, it was before. Um, it'll be a bit of a growing uh growing pains of getting the audio set uh, properly. Uh, love to hear your feedback on uh, how the audio sounds, if there's anything we need to do. Too loud, too much bass, too much trouble. Uh, Tony, just don't worry about it. <laughs> That's all, all good. So guys, until the next show, hopefully next week, uh, have a very good uh, morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are.
Ooh, red jeeps are sexy. <laughs>